They said getting started was the hardest part, but no one told you how hard it is to scale a custom service business. It's time for your team to step up, but your clients want you. Discover how to scale to seven figures and beyond by freeing up time and getting your team to run whole parts of the company so you can focus on scaling profits. This is the Hands-Off CEO with Mandy Ellefson. Today's episode, I am talking with Michael Zaberski from consultingsuccess.com. And I've known Michael for a while. I've worked with him here and there. We've been friends for a number of years and he's a good guy. But the reason why I invited him to come onto the podcast is because he's had a lot of really great results around increasing fees for consultants, but really for information, someone who's selling their expertise. And uh, I know that a lot of listeners here really are. And, and if you listen right till the end, we actually share this right at the end where you actually think it's going to end, but there's like a little bonus clip. And we're sharing how some of his clients have gone from like $60,000 engagements to like 315 and being able to really boost their rates considerably. It's a way to add instant growth to your company when you do it right. Michael is actually sharing the four steps to actually do that and to consistently be bringing in your lead flow for ideal clients. The most interesting thing that I'm really coming out of this episode with is how to increase your fees and how to do it in a way where it actually makes it easier to sell. So I love that. And I hope that you're going to love this episode with Michael Zaberski. Thanks for listening in. Hi, I am here with Michael Zaberski from Consulting Success and Coach to Elite Consultants. Michael has advised organizations like Financial Times, Dow Jones, RBC, Omron, and a number of other large companies in global markets. But more importantly, he's helped over 300 consultants from around the world in 50 industries. And he's helped them add six and seven figures to their annual revenues And um, I have known Michael for a number of years. He is a really good guy. I've read his book, The Elite Consulting Mind. It's a really great book about the kind of mindset shifts you really want to have to grow your consulting business. And I have personally gotten some advice from Michael that has added a considerable amount of profit to my own business. So I know that what Michael teaches is really on point and I can't wait to have him share all of his nuggets of wisdom here. Welcome, Michael. Hey, Mandy. Great to be with you. Thanks. Oh, you're welcome. So I just love some of the things that you have put out there. I've been a client of yours and I've purchased some of your programs in the past. Really good quality stuff. And one of the things that I really like about what you're doing is around a topic that I would consider leveraging. So I'm always looking at, you know, how do you leverage first, then scale? So what is the easiest way to grow? And I'm always looking at, you know, how do we increase fees and be able to make more money, more profit with the same amount of effort? So like, what is your secret sauce for increasing fees for consultants? Well, yeah, I wouldn't call it a secret sauce, but I think there's big opportunity for almost every consultant to earn significantly more from the value that they provide. And the key really is the word that I just mentioned, value. Far too often, consultants are really just kind of trading their time for dollars And that really holds their potential back from earning significantly more. So when you focus on what is 
the outcome? What is the result? What is the value and the ROI, right? The return on investment the buyer will receive from engaging with you. Uh, you're able to considerably increase your fees. And the real reason for that is because if you don't do that, if you use kind of the status quo, the old model of just charging on an hourly basis, and you might even be doing like a daily rate or a project rate, but if you're calculating it based on the hours that you're putting in just by itself, then that's what the buyer is associating with, right? They're thinking about how much time this is going to take and they're calculating and they really are just seeing you as a cost. But when you shift that model, when you shift the perception and the positioning of that to showing the buyer and having a conversation with them so they can clearly see what the value and the results and the outcome and the benefit and the return on investment that they are going to receive, now they look at it as an investment. And when they see it as an investment, then they're much more excited and willing to invest and to pay more because they believe that they're going to get more value back. And so that really, from a high level, is the big opportunity for all consultants. I love that. What a great response to that question. Yeah, it's all about that outcome and the value you can provide. And do you find that it's more that consultants aren't adding enough value or is that they need to and need to fix that? Or that it's more that the way that they're talking about the value is the bigger problem? Well, the consultants that we work with, our clients uh, typically are providing tremendous value. They're experts in their area. And so that's never really the issue. The key factor or the real challenge that people have is they're not communicating that value. They are providing it, but they don't really know how to position it, how to package it, how to really, you know, price it in the right way. And then most importantly, have like a deep, meaningful conversation with buyers around that because pricing is not just the number that you write down and put in your proposal. Your pricing comes ahead of that. It comes from the conversation you have with the buyer and where you really explore what is going on in their situation. What are they looking to achieve? What happens when they do this? What will the benefit be for them? What kind of value will they get from that? What does that return on investment potentially look like? And then a really important part of this too that a lot of people don't talk about, like often people talk about and you hear about value and you might even hear about ROI. But one thing that a lot of people don't talk about is COI. It's cost of inaction. What happens if your prospective buyer doesn't do this? Do they lose market share, right? Do they have higher employee turnover? Do they lose their you know, potential sales or leads or whatever it might be? And so when you explore all of these things together as part of a conversation, you start to get a lot of clarity around the value that will be delivered for the buyer. And you do that as part of a conversation. So it's not you just telling the buyer, hey, here's what you're going to get. It's asking the buyer questions so that the buyer is actually telling you what they're going to receive. And that then helps you to get significantly more buy-in, which makes the sales, quote unquote, sales process a lot easier because you're not selling, you're simply offering to the buyer what they've told you that they want. And you've both come to an agreement around what the value and the return and the benefit will be to them. And so pricing then becomes a lot easier. Okay, great. That makes a lot of sense. So a scenario that I see happen a lot with I work with a lot of service-based businesses, as you know, and some of them are consultants and some of them have like marketing agencies or something where that some kind of B2B service for clients. And I would definitely kind of lump them all under consultants because you're offering an expertise. Mm -hmm. So one of the key challenges that I see around this when they're trying to increase their fees is they go and realize, all right, this is the value we can add. But I'm always looking at how do we quantify the kind of results that you've gotten for past clients? And some of the times they get so focused on like 
we deliver increased engagement or whatever that is, that the metrics that really don't actually communicate the real value that they can add for clients. And sometimes they don't even have access to that data. So clearly this is a transition point for them. But what would you say to a business owner in this situation where they're really trying to build the right case studies around work that they've done in the past, they know it is really profitable, but they don't quite know how to quantify it. Well, the first step is to really get clear on what metrics or you know what is most important for the buyers, for your ideal client. Because if you're talking about one thing, but they really care about something else, it doesn't matter what you say about that other thing, it's not going to be meaningful for them. So first, get clear on what they care about. If you don't know that, just go and ask them, right? Go back to your past clients or talk to current clients or reach out to prospective clients or talk to heads of industry associations or other authors or consultants or whatever who, you know, just people in your industry, influencers, so that you can understand what those metrics are. Now, in terms of getting clear on, you know, what that, what results you've achieved, if you don't just have that at hand, again, go back to your past clients or talk with your current clients and ask them, say, hey, you know, I know we worked on this project about six months ago. How are things going right now? What's changed in your business? How, you know, how have your sales increased or how has whatever, you know, depending on how you've helped them. And we had a client that did this. He didn't, we asked him this initial question to help him because we wanted for him to have much more compelling messaging where he could really communicate the types of results that he can help his clients to achieve. And he said, yeah, I don't know how to quantify that. Like I help them, but I don't really know what the number is. So we said, well, go and talk with your clients, go back to your past clients, just, you know, call them up because a couple of nice things can happen. One is you're going to learn from them what's actually happened in their business. But you also have the opportunity then to hear about potential follow-on work that you can provide. When they tell you what they're doing right now, there might be an opportunity for you to actually say, hey, that's really wonderful. Like, have you thought about doing something like this? Or actually, I just helped another client with that. Would you be interested? So it can create opportunities. But the key thing that he found out is that he's actually been able to deliver a consistent level of results across the board for all of his clients. So by learning that now, that's part of what we call the magnetic message, right? Part of his value proposition that he puts out on his LinkedIn profile, on his website, in conversations, marketing materials, and so forth. And he knows that those numbers are also communicated in a way and using the language that really matters and resonates and aligns with his ideal clients. I love it. That's great. And if I were to kind of sum it up in a different way, in order to kind of mine for the value that's really there, go and have the conversations with past clients. And as you're doing that, you're building the value, but you're also getting testimonials. But at the same time, you're looking for future, you're listening for where there could be future opportunities to work together. So it sounds like a really great thing to be doing all the way around because not only can it help you reposition what you're doing, but it can help you, as you said, increase ways that you can serve your existing clients. Definitely. And you know, just one other quick exercise I'm happy to offer in the hopes that it might help some people in this process is just sit down and list out all of the projects that you've worked on. And if you're a consultant or you're an expert and maybe you're making the transition, you know, away from the corporate world, you can include you know, your corporate track record as well. And so just sit down and list out all of the different projects or assignments or clients, right, that you've worked with or been a part of and list two things. Number one, right, what was the input? Meaning what did you do? What was your role? And then second, what was the output? What happened from that? What was the result or the outcome or the benefit or the value created? And of course, try and quantify it as much as possible because the more that you can actually include numbers or percentages the more compelling and powerful the message will be in this day and age. We're surrounded by so many 
advertisements and noise in the marketplace, so much hype, people making promises that for most of us, we look at information, we dismiss it very quickly if it's too general. So the more specific that you can be, the more we can kind of tap into the amygdala, right? The part of the brain that's like the lizard brain, it just reacts, it's, you know, flight or fight. It's, you know, you really want to be able to, to keep people's attention. And the way to do that is with specifics. And so if you can note down just line by line, like what did you do and what was the output from that, the value created, that's a really good start. And oftentimes people find that just by really giving that some thought, they actually have a lot more than they thought they did originally. And if you feel that some of that is just lacking, then going off and doing the exercise where you reach out to past clients or current clients can really help you to fill that in. I love that. That makes a lot of sense. I hadn't actually thought about it in that way to being really specific. And I see this in the hiring process when you're interviewing someone and the more specific they can be, the more believable it is. The ones who are really vague, you know, the BS meter goes right up. (laughs) This is probably what's happening with marketing as well where when you have, I actually think that some testimonials can actually really hurt a business. When you have a testimonial on a website that's really like, oh, you know, Joe, he was just so great. He's such a great team player. And they always fulfilled exactly on time and everything. Like that's a lame testimony. And I look at that and I'm thinking that like this Joey guy doesn't know jack squat if that's the best testimonial they can come up with, you know? It's just general. It doesn't add any value. And so in this day and age, when slang doesn't add value, it doesn't get our attention and we move on. And so if you want to get people's attention, if you really want to stand out, then you need to speak to specifics. I love that. That is a really good piece of advice, a specific piece of advice. So, you know, I know that one of the things that you specifically help with is helping consultants get an consistent client attraction in place, which is Mm -hmm. just imperative for being able to grow a company and being able to just know that six months from now, you have all the business you need to continue sustaining the growth. And, you know, maybe that the people you've hired, you know, that you can be profitable with that. So what is your approach to consistent client attraction? So if there's someone who was saying, you know, we're relying a lot of referrals right now, it's kind of up and down. So what would you say, what would be your best advice to get that consistent and also growing? Well, we take all of our clients through a four-stage process. The first is what we call ideal client clarity. And so here at this stage, we are really you know, helping people to get very clear on who their ideal clients are. A lot of people think they know who their ideal clients are, but if you're not getting a good response, if you're not seeing a lot of leads coming in, this could be one of the issues. And so by focusing on kind of the hyper-responsive segment of the market that you're targeting, that can, you know, number one, help you to find and identify those people better. But it also allows you to move to stage number two, which is what we call magnetic messaging. And so that's developing the message that will get the attention and interest of your ideal clients that will really resonate with them. And this is here at this point where you want to be specific, right? Where you want to have a message that can really cut through all the noise and the clutter out there and help you to communicate your advantage. But most importantly, to have ideal clients want to engage in a conversation with you, right? It's the starting point of building that relationship. And here's where these two go together, right? You can't have an effective marketing message if you don't have clarity on who your ideal clients are, because you're going to end up just having a very general message. And so these two must be in place. This is probably the most common mistake that I see a lot of people making when it comes to their marketing is that they spend a great deal of time and sometimes resources and you know money and so forth trying all different kinds of marketing tactics or strategies that they hear about or the latest fad or trend or whatever it might be, and they're not getting results. And the reason is because they don't have a compelling message. 
and they don't really have clarity around who their ideal clients are because quite often they're scared to go narrow. They're scared to really specialize. And so they're trying to speak to a, a lot of different people with a lot of different messages or just one general message. And so it ends up really not resonating and aligning and connecting with anyone in particular. So when those two stages are in place, then the next step that people should you know, work on in terms of where we help people in the process that we use is what we call the marketing engine. And so this is about setting up a system and a process in place into your business that allows you to get in front of ideal clients consistently. But most importantly, because this is not B2C, we're talking specifically about B2B, it's all about building relationships. And herein is like another really big problem that I see in the marketplace or that I've kind of observed to occur, which is that people are trying to apply B2C marketing tactics and strategies to a service-based business, to a B2B model. But it's very different because making a decision to invest, let's just say $50,000 or $100,000 or a million dollars is very different than going and buying a $25 you know, gizmo. You can't use the same marketing tactics and strategies and approaches and be the same level of effectiveness. And so when we talk about consulting professional services, it really is all about building relationships. So the marketing engine is about identifying the ideal client, then reaching out to them to connect, then begin to engage in conversations, provide ongoing and consistent value to those people, nurture them, but also as quickly as possible, shift from just having, you know, say an online relationship or conversations to offline, moving it to a phone call or to an in-person meeting. That's really critical. And so you want to get that marketing engine going as quickly as possible. You don't want to wait until you have everything perfectly ready. You don't need to have the best website or even the best messaging or the best you know, materials. You want to start planting those seeds with the marketing engine. There's lots of different ways to approach this, but when you do it properly, there's some leverage in terms of automation tools that can help you here. But the key is having the right messaging in terms of starting those relationships and the right focus. A lot of people approach it very transactional. They connect with someone and all and you know right away try and make their offer and say, hey, here's what I have to offer you. You know, I can help you with this, that, or the other. Most people will just delete that or not respond. So you get the marketing engine going. And then the fourth part is what we call strategic offers and ROI positioning. And so this is really where you know you look at how do you take all of your experience and your expertise and then how do you package it and position it and you know place value on it and price it in a way that will align with your ideal clients and will make that first sale very easy. So Mandy, you and I were just talking before, I know you hit record, right, about how you've kind of done this in your business with some really great success. Well, this is the same type of process, right? It's figuring out how can you get your foot in the door with a company? How can you make that first sale a really easy sale to make? Because then that allows you the opportunity to build trust, to really demonstrate value, to strengthen that relationship, and the first sale is always the hardest sale to make. So once you've done that, then finding additional value to provide and to create for that client becomes a lot easier. But those are really the four stages that we take people through and that we find work exceptionally well for consultants. I love it. Those are really great. And I want to kind of touch on a few of these things because sure. like what you were saying with getting the clarity around your ideal client, I just, I can't emphasize that enough. You're spot on with that because if you don't know who you're targeting, then like you're saying, it's just vague to everyone and you're not going to be able to attract anyone. And just those first two things, getting your ideal client down and getting your message specific. At that point, it really doesn't matter which channel you use so much, does it? Yeah. I mean, the key thing when you're considering what channel to use, there's really two big considerations. Number one 
is where are your ideal clients? So as an example, I'll throw this out because it's pretty extreme, but let's say you're targeting people who are 80 years and above. You're not going to use webinars for that. Like it's just not the right approach, right? So the first thing is find out where can you actually get in front of your ideal clients? Where do they go to get information? Where do they spend time? Then the second is playing to your strengths. If you are just freaked out to speak, well, then speaking probably isn't going to you know, work very well for you unless you can overcome that fear. But if you really enjoy writing or you are totally fine with the idea of using LinkedIn or whatever else it might be, and as long as your ideal clients are in those places, then that's where you want to go. So those are the two considerations that are really important because marketing, when you're selling professional services, is a long-term process. It's not a, an overnight success story. And so you need to make sure that you're in the right channel, but also that you're playing to your strengths. I love it. You know, and that fourth step that you were talking about with the strategic offers and the ROI, did I yeah. get right that the ROI? That's, that's right. Yeah, ROI positioning. ROI positioning, yeah. So one of the things that comes right back to making sure you're serving the right ideal customer is that I know that if you don't get that first part right, then you could be selling the right strategic offer to the wrong person. And you might work so hard and do such a fantastic job for them. But if they don't actually have what a big enough problem for you to solve ongoing, like maybe you've gone too far downstream, then it might not work at all. And I share this because we had actually talked about this offer a little bit before that where I'd really gotten this nailed down. And this is where growth can happen very quickly in your company when you have all four of these things in line, like you shared about. The thing is, is if you get the right offer in place, but you're selling it to the wrong person, even if you make sales, it can be very difficult to actually move up into a higher value engagement because there's nothing else there to sell. Yeah, that's right. I mean, another way to look at it as well is that if you don't have real client selection working for you, meaning that you're just kind of taking on all different types of clients, you don't have that ideal client clarity, then even worse, you end up developing offers for the wrong types of clients. And you end up with a lot of different types of offerings that quite often lead to a lot of low value work and low value clients. And so you have, even if you, you know, kind of might feel lucky, you're busy, you're feeling like you're reaching capacity, but your income really isn't growing that much. So you're spending a lot of time delivering on work, and you're spending a lot of time on your marketing, but you now have a bunch of lower value clients doing work that you don't really necessarily enjoy that much but you've done it all because you allowed the wrong type of client to come into your business. And so this is very hard for people that are at the early stages of their marketing and especially the early stages of their business because they want to just generate revenue. And so they'll take on anything that comes their way. And you know that's not a bad thing just to get some experience and to learn what it is that you really want. But as quickly as possible, you want to transition from that to being much more selective around your ideal clients. Because the more that you say no to the wrong people, the more space you then have to say yes to the right people. And when you start engaging with just and only the right types of clients, you're able then to develop your service offerings so that they are specific for your ideal clients, which allows you to really add more productization and and better processes and, and systems to your business, the right price points, everything can become optimized and much more efficient. And that's really where scale starts to come from. God, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that it can be really obvious on the lower end when a business is just, they're just getting started that like, obviously you need to work with a better client, but don't you think that this is something that's part of a natural progression that just happens as you're continuing to grow and scale your company? 
Well, it's natural, but only if you're looking for it or thinking about it. I've seen many businesses who you know may even have some nice significant revenue, but their profit margins are slim. They're stressed out. Uh, they can't see how they can grow any further. They're at capacity, right? So they're full. And on paper, it looks like they're doing quite well from you know just kind of revenue perspective, but they're not enjoying their business because they're not really working with the types of people that they want. And their profit margins also aren't looking too pretty. And they're doing a lot of different things. So I don't think it necessarily is all that clear for everyone. I, I wish that it was, but I think far too often people end up just very focused on doing work in their business and not spending much time really being strategic around where they should be going and who really is their ideal client and what is the optimal way to deliver for that client. And is there a different way that they could approach providing value to those clients that would be a real win for their clients, but would also be a big improvement for them as owners? Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on this point. And I think that it's a really good thing to remember, though, that like you said, it's not just something that's going to happen naturally and that you have to be really intentional about it and intentional about it, whether you have been in business for three years or whether you've been in business for 20 years. And this is where I actually see a lot of missed opportunities in the companies that have been around 10, 15, 20 years where they get so used to doing things a certain way. And like you said, their profit margins can really be suffering as a result of this, but they're missing out on opportunities for them to innovate this in this area that you're talking about. Definitely. Yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to just reinforce that to anyone who's listening, no matter where your company is, that you can apply this, whether you're starting out or whether you are 20 years in and you're looking at how to increase the profits so that you can prepare for a more profitable exit? Well, it's an ongoing process. Even the most successful businesses will always be looking for additional improvements and optimizations and refinements that they can make. Because the moment that you stop, the moment that you just become comfortable is also the same time that you become complacent. And there's no such thing as staying where you are because when you stay where you are, you're competition or the others in the marketplace, if they're making strides and improvements, then they're going up and you're going down, right? If it's all connected. So I think it really is important that if you do want to really excel and if you want to continue enjoying the fruits of your labors, that you consistently look for ways to improve what you're working on, regardless of what stage you're at. Yeah, I think that's a great thing to be remembering as you're growing the companies consistently looking for ways to improve. So we're coming up on the end of our time here. So Michael, do you have any last words of advice you'd like to leave with our listeners here? Well, man, do you know me? I have lots of uh, <laughs> advice that I can offer, but it really depends on, you know, on what we're talking about. So, you know, if there's anything specific that you think would be of interest or value for your audience and all the listeners here, I'd be more than happy to talk about it. I mean, there's plenty of information as well on consultingsuccess.com that people can go through in terms of free resources and, and information, but uh, you tell me how I can help. Well, I think that you've been really helpful. I just wanted to just give you an opportunity to share anything else. If there's been just something on the tip of your tongue that you want an opening for. Sounds uh, good. Yeah. But like you said, you have really great resources at consultingsuccess.com. In fact, I had come upon your website years ago before we ever even met. And I'm just, it's a wealth of information. So how else can people interact and connect with you, Michael? Yeah, well, the best place certainly is consultingsuccess.com. You can learn more about what we do and how we work with consultants there. Again, there's plenty of free resources as well. You're also more than welcome. And I'd certainly invite you to reach out and connect with me on LinkedIn if you'd like. 
And from there, let me know how I can help. Okay, got it. I actually wanted to throw something else in here because sure. we didn't get to something that's really important. That was one of the reasons that I find you so impressive, the work that you do. I'd like for you to share, like, what are some specific results that you have seen with consultants in their ability to increase their fees? Because we've kind of talked about this a little more vague than we could be. And I'd love to hear some specific examples of consultants that have been able to increase their rates. Now, what, what did it take? Sure. So one consultant, she was approaching a project proposal, was planning to submit the proposal for $60,000. She had gotten to that point by calculating the, the hours and days that it would take her to deliver on that project. And we had a conversation. We explored what the value of the project would be to the buyer and what it would mean for them and how it would impact and influence their business and their position in the marketplace and what would happen if they didn't do it. She ended up then as a result of that updating the proposal and positioning the fee as about $315,000 and she won that business. So that was you know, a nice improvement in revenue. And the most important thing is that she didn't have to do any additional work for that. It was all on the positioning and how she communicated the value. I have another client who won a half a million dollar project. And this came again from the result of shifting away from just doing hourly and daily rates, which was typical or is typical in their industry. And so they were able to land that project, which was very significant. I'll give you just also, those are some bigger numbers. We do have many clients who you know are winning six and even seven figure projects, but some even that are on the smaller kind of end as a starting point. We had one client who was consistently charging out based on a daily rate. And they continued to use a daily rate, but they took some of the advice that we provided. And they really thought that they would have a hard time increasing their fees. They're based in Europe and they work with some very large organizations. They felt that they were already kind of at the higher end of what an acceptable daily rate is. But I challenged this specific client to really encourage him to increase his fees to begin this process by having a conversation with the buyer so that the buyer could see greater value in what he and his company was providing. And he was able to increase his fees by 60%. Again, not spending any more time. But you know, when you think about what 60% can mean to your current revenue, it's pretty dramatic You know what that effect can have. And so, I mean, there's many, many examples like this from people in all different industries all around the world it doesn't matter what your industry is. It doesn't matter where you're located. When you understand how to really have a meaningful and deep conversation with a prospective buyer and you know how to demonstrate value and make sure that value and all these other factors become apparent as part of the conversation, then you really get to a place where you can start to earn more. This is probably one of the few things where I believe that you can actually see results, quote unquote, you know, overnight. We are all now in an age and a time where there's so much hype around us, so many you know, big promises that are often not met. And people are saying that you can you know, make a million dollars in one day or a week or whatever it is. And we know that that stuff is not true. But one area in your business where you can really see an impact in a very, very short period of time is your fees. Because you can learn how to make a shift as an example today and then talk to a client later today or talk to a client tomorrow and instantly then win business at that higher rate. I actually have one example of a client that did this within two hours. We had an initial conversation. She went off. She spoke to 
the prospective client two hours after our call and she won that business and won at about $15,000 higher than what she would have done previously. So that for me is a really exciting area because it can have a really direct impact for people and it doesn't need to take them a lot of time. So for those who already have leads coming in and have opportunities, looking at your pricing strategy and how you approach that is probably the lowest hanging fruit for your business. I love that, Michael. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm glad we dug into that a little bit more because it's just so inspiring to see that these consultants who've gone from pricing at $60,000, which is not a small amount too, right? So it can be really easy to think, well, you know, how much more can I charge? And she goes all the way to $315,000 for one project. And that's just really impressive and such an inspiration for um, everyone listening that to really see what the potential is for how you can grow your company without working any more hours. Yeah, that's I think an opportunity that everyone deserves to have. And as long as you're providing value and results for your clients, then you certainly should benefit from it too. Yes. Well, Michael, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Again, if you are listening in and would love to learn more about Michael Zaberski's processes, go to consultingsuccess.com and you can download some resources about how you can actually increase your fees. And thanks so much for being on the show, Michael. Thanks very much. It's been a lot of fun. (laughs) Great. All right. See you later. Take care, Mandy. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Hands-Off CEO. Don't forget to download your free scalability roadmap, a checklist that will help you scale up your custom service business with what you have right now. Go to handsoffceo.com slash roadmap. That's handsoffceo.com slash roadmap.